0: Hey everybody, welcome to Connected. I'm Kyle Van Pelt, co-founder and CEO of Mile Marker. My co-host is Judd Mackerel, co-founder of Milemarker as well. Connected is a show about the people and technologies that are shaping and building the wealth management industry. More people than ever are searching for great financial advice, and more firms than ever are trying to figure out how to scale their operations to serve those who are searching for their advice. We believe that better connected technology provides the space for better connected people, which leads to better advice. Welcome to Connected. Hey everybody, welcome back to Connected. I am your host, Kyle Van Pelt, CEO of MileMarker. And today I have the pleasure of being joined by Matt Morris. Those of you who don't know, Matt is the CEO and founder of Encore Estate Plans. Uh, he is a guy that I was in the trenches with at Risk Allies, now known as Nitrogen to many of you listening to this. Uh, He's a dad who loves his kids dearly. He's an endurance athlete and he is uh, loving life right now running Encore Estate Plans. Matt, did I miss anything?
1: Yeah, be careful about overstating how uh, my endurance athlete, the yes, I have run a marathon. I can't say I've been running as much as I would have liked um, of late, and so you can't quite see me right. from, from ha- halfway down right now with the extra belly I'm carrying. But um.
0: <laughs> well, listen, everybody's on their own journey, okay? And, and in my mind, anybody who's completed <laughs> a marathon, anybody who's completed a marathon, <laughs> that's an endurance athlete, in my okay, opinion. I'll, so that's I'll, welcome I'll on this show.
1: <laughs> Thanks.
0: Well, Matt, I'm, I'm so glad to have you here, man. It's good to good to reconnect and I'm excited to talk about your story here a little bit.
1: Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. You know it's um, man, it's, it's amazing how stories and life come together. and somehow recently I've landed in a place I, I never fathomed I'd be. and but yeah. and I'm having an absolute blast um, with it. and so so I'm blessed and fortunate and to, to be where I am and
0: and to take on some of the projects that are on my plate hundred percent. Well, let's start there, actually. You know, you talk about the path that got you here. You and I knew each other when we were both at Riskalyze. You took some time yep. off after that. And then yep. you kind of wound your way into this estate planning place. And now you end up the the owner and CEO of a business. Like, talk to us about that yeah. story. How did that come to be?
1: Yeah. Well, and you know our time at Riskalyze. And are we going to say Riskalyze and nitrogen every time we say it? Or we you just need to I've- land on nitrogen? Yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's okay, just well, go with what they want to be called.
1: Yeah, they, they want to be called nitrogen. So let's just land our time at nitrogen, even though it was <clears> our <throat> spice. But you know, that was an incredible experience. I, I call it the PhD in wealth tech startup that we got in those years. And man, just so fortunate for from being able to go at that point from being the tenth employee in the door and being able to go on the journey across from a few hundred advisors to oh, geez, I think twenty thousand we were across when I when I left in 2020 and build up an organization, work for incredible leaders and just incredible team and people. Everything on how to work with advisors, what advisors want. And it's as you know, it's you you learn from the wind, but you learn way more from from the mistakes. And the cost of those mistakes and you you can, uh, you probably saw it within my LinkedIn, but when I decided to make the, to leave in 2020, it was really actually a a lot of personal issues. It was just burnout Mm -hmm. and I had an incredible ride, but my personality type in, in the role I was in. Um, just caused me to run at a rate that wasn't sustainable. And and I had to just recognize that and own that. So I left and just said, I'm done for a while and took a sabbatical. It was a month before the pandemic started that kind of became more of a sabbatical for a lot of people <laughs> intentionally. And I just spent some time with my kids and spent a lot of time at the skate park, hanging out with my kids and said, you know what? I'm going to trust that what I did accomplish in my time there would find me another opportunity. But I, I I tell people, and honestly, I worked my ass off in my sabbatical, but mostly on me. And I needed to take some time and go, why is it that I find myself in this place of burnout? What is it that is in me that would allow me to go forward from this place in my career and do it in a healthier way? And so that was that was that time. And I absolutely wanted to take advantage of that PhD we got in those years and what I learned and do it again. I have been an entrepreneur all, my entire career. And so then it was a matter of, okay, I'm ready to re-engage and try to do this in a healthier way. What's next for financial advisors and technology? And where are the opportunities? And that led me to kind of think about holistic planning and and seeing, you know, what we had seen, the evolution of financial planning to the next levels. And this estate planning category really made a lot of sense to me. So I jumped onto that point with um, a little firm called Helios that was just getting started in this and had been doing that for a while. Met an incredible guy and my business partner now who'd been an estate planning attorney for 15 years. And once I got to know him, our relationship just blossomed and found that we were just perfect business partners. And then along came 2021 Helios had its own business model that they were working on. They decided to make some changes within that and how that affected us on an estate planning kind of where they largely incubated us and gave us a lot of help. And so they set us free to pursue it. And and we launched Encore from that place. And here I am now, CEO, and running a, a wealth tech company and loving it.
0: I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Yes, I, I agree. We got a PhD in running things, and now that you're kind of <laughs> sitting in the seat, you are like, "What's what? What has kind of been the unexpected part of the journey?" You know that you're like, "Man, okay, uh, didn't see this coming. This is new. This is interesting."
1: Interesting question. I would say I was hesitant to be a CEO because I recognized a lot of the parts of the role that are things I don't want to do. I'm not an accounting guy. I'm a sales guy by nature, and running a sales org. That's my corest competency. But I've always been entrepreneurial. I've been a solopreneur for years before um, Riskalyze. And so I've always taken charge that way. And so I think it's some of the things of uh, recognizing that I don't have to do the things that I'm not good at. I can find good people <laughs> for those roles. Everybody kind of talks about we have a little bit of the I'm not equipped for this kind of a role. If I've looked to other people as my model and I don't have the strengths that that person has to do this role, perfect example for me is work directly under Aaron Klein. I'm not Aaron Klein in a lot of different ways. He's great at things I'm not good at. And so, but I can say, wait a minute, what are understanding my strengths, doing a lot of work on me. To understand that and then put the right people in place that have strengths where I'm, I, I have weaknesses and I can focus on the things I'm good at. So it's definitely been an experience in trying to better understand what I need to hand off, what the kinds of people I need around me, but also not trying to be anything other than who I am. And sometimes that's hard for me. <laughs> it's, a, it's hard for a lot of us, right? To, to feel like we should be something where that doesn't come natural to us. And I'm trying to focus on do the things that come become natural or natural to me, find people who are good at the things that are natural to them.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's that concept of, uh, find the things that give you energy. They don't drain energy. And, uh, you know, we, we can't spend all, all day long doing only the things that give us energy, but we should try to optimize for as much of that as possible. Right. I really empathize and relate with what you were just sharing, because I think that's been similar to my journey is early on trying to be. The the CEO of all of these other people that you've looked up to, rather than just being mm-hmm. you know who I am as a CEO, you know, and and I I feel very similarly. Like I think you know, shout out to Aaron Klein. Um, yeah, you know, we wouldn't have got the PhD without him being who he is, and without Mike totally. McDaniel being who he is. Aaron's an incredible CEO, but I'm I'm not Aaron. Uh, no. I'm not in a lot of ways, and I had to learn how to be me, right? So I empathize mm-hmm. with that. And and also not, you know, that's that's the guy we know and we worked with, but I'm sure you you might deal with this too, where you look at these other larger than life CEOs that you want to be like, right? Like mm-hmm. the Jeff Bezos is of the world, sure. or the whoever, you name it, right? And uh, yep. it's, it's a challenge not to fall into that comparison trap.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is the biggest trap, the curse of comparison. So how has that been for you? You tell me as a, as a CEO, not, not far apart. You and I both landed in these roles for the first time. How is that? Yeah. What has been the surprise for you? I'm curious. Uh,
0: just, I, I, I really would echo a lot of what you said, but I would, I would maybe tweak it and just say, I didn't realize how much of the battle would be in the mirror uh, and, and in my own head, because that's really what it is. It's like, you got to wake up every yep. day and you have to you have to believe in, in yourself and you have to believe in, and you have to work on yourself. You have to grow yourself just totally. as much as you're growing the company. I think I knew that would be the case, but it still has been the biggest surprise of just how much of the job is that. Yeah. So 100%. And we are
1: have to talk compare pair someday because I'm talking to a new coach right now that I'm thinking about hiring. And so we'll have to talk through yeah. through that is finding the right people that can help us with that self-discovery. And I guess, you know, the yeah. word I was looking for earlier is kind of that imposter, um, you know, feeling of here I am in this role and people will look at me in this role and expect something from me versus... How do I just execute on who I am and be okay with it? <laughs> Isn't it? I guess yeah. all of our journey to just be okay with who yeah, we are as would, we are, where we are.
0: And I would say that to the, you know, to the firm owner listening to this podcast and everything too, I'm sure you go through a lot of those similar ideas. And I don't know, the, the mentality that I've had is I've, I've thought about this is instead of trying to adapt myself to be who I think everybody needs me to be. It's like, try to create a journey and a story other people want to come come on, an authentic story and journey that other people want to be a part of, right? That, that you can authentically go and say, this is who I am and this is the journey we're going on. And I uh, owe a lot to, to, to my business partner too, Judd, because on the same thing, it's like, hey, we're, we're just trying to create something that we both know we can do. And, and we want to find people who want to come alongside that rather than trying to become somebody or build something that I think other people want us to be and build. And that's hard. Because you know, yeah. it's putting yourself out there and it's trusting that people are going to want to come along for that journey.
1: We we are on the Connected podcast, right? And mm-hmm. I've heard you ask that question before yeah. on this. Is You know, how do we get connected? But I think you just nailed it. It's the vulnerability. I'm willing to be vulnerable um, with where we are, who we are, the struggles we have. That, And I think within that, it's so refreshing. And when we have a... Yeah worthwhile project that is interesting and compelling and people can do it with people they enjoy being in the trenches with, the the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. It's it's the finding the talent, but if I can be... Connected with my team in a way that is being willing to share where my weaknesses are and my strengths are and acknowledging that these are points of vulnerability that just help build the connection of of the team around us.
0: Well, and staying on that theme, I actually want to kind of dig into something from the beginning of your answer there, which was you spent a lot of time during that sabbatical working on yourself and, you know, to the extent that you would be willing to unpack some of it, I'm just curious about what that looked like. Cause I, I guarantee you there's people listening to this that have probably experienced burnout. They're trying to figure out how do I, mm-hmm. how do I not, you know, go through that or whatever. I mean, what, what were some of the insights you had from being able to take a sabbatical and learn about yourself?
1: You know? I'll give you the, the high level one, the takeaway. Big one is a familiar with the Enneagram. You're a fan of the Enneagram yeah yep. yeah all right i'm a, a, maybe not a surprise but as a ceo as a salesperson i'm an enneagram three Um, which is the, <laughs> the achiever. achiever and really what i the big takeaway i uncovered is that the achievement in me the achiever in me is ultimately looking for validation and and, and worth from achieving from being able to I loved the you know being able to qualify my value on to what I delivered in sales across my career, what my team accomplished, and that's a blessing and a curse. But it's the and it's the curse when my value and worth comes from what I accomplish and what I get done, and being able to have a better answer for my core value and worth. And that started in me as a young person. Um, I was an athlete and a wrestler in high school. And so I learned how to grind. I learned how to work being a wrestler as a young person. And I learned people appreciated it. I was popular for being good at something and got val- validation from mom and dad for being good at something that I didn't get for just being me. And so those are some dark places you have to go into some of our reality. But I don't think I'm alone with business owners, with advisors who have that strong drive, but being able to recognize and, and re-architect it in a healthy way. That, that isn't where my value and worth comes from. To me, that's more of a spiritual question to answer within myself and to recognize who I am apart from my achievement. And then to be able to go into life and I'm day to day, it's still a challenge and recognize how can I be who I who I really am in the role I'm in without having to prove something. So there you go. Awesome. How's that for <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, what what a, what a powerful exercise though to do before you went into this role. It's amazing how timing works on stuff. But if you had just jumped straight into this, I wonder if you had been, a, you know, would have been able to totally. to handle it or be as successful in it or all of those sort of things, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the self awareness that you know I'm in it was in my late 40s and kind of have to have that midlife crisis, or whatever you want to call it. That is the takes us on, hopefully, in a healthy crisis. Um, a healthy way of de- dealing with it is it takes us through a journey of self awareness and coming to that awareness that is definitely still a part of me. It's not something that I fixed in that time off, but it's something that I can recognize and be aware of, and recognize when I and I need to stop and I just need to rec- uh, not maybe pursue some things. Maybe I need to grow faster. I mean, now I have to make some hard hard decisions for company that and especially in a culture that we're also more is always better in our culture that's just the way and i'm and i'm having to as a ceo and as we're trying to grow as fast and do everything as fast as we can to also go is more actually better for my quality of life every time and it's hard to say no to that and but being aware of that internal struggle is i think putting me in a better place that says let's have an excellent team that we strive to provide excellence to who we serve, how we work as a team, but we also don't have to do everything now. And so I'm a sucker for that culture and and it's worked well in the past, but I am happy to be in a place where I can help determine that a little bit, And but I'm having to balance it. I was going to say, how about you within that same thinking in your situation? Because is more always better?
0: Oh man, I'm so I'm completely susceptible to that ever since I was a little kid. And and it's funny because I see it manifesting in in one of my kids right now too. It's, it's incredible to watch, but it's just even that mentality of wondering what's next before you're even doing the thing that you're doing right now, right? And so that that's that's a struggle for me of not being able to enjoy the present because you're always seeing how something could be better or what's the next thing that's going to be fun or whatever. You're always future looking um, to the extent that it can kind of rob you of the present in some ways. And so I I struggle with that a lot. And I think that's something that I'm constantly having to, to check as well, because to your point, you have to know who you are and what you want. Because not not to be too cheesy or cliche, but we only get one shot at this life thing, right? So it's not like we get to do all of these things and then go back and be like, all right, here's, here's where I think I got it wrong. I'm going to go do it all over again um, and, and try and get it right. So you have to figure out what you want out of life. And then you have to kind of build uh, your life around that in a, in a way that it serves those desires for you right? Um, so I absolutely believe I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. And I'm, I'm in the seat I'm supposed to be and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But I need to make sure that that stays aligned with my values and my goals and, and my dreams um, and not just constantly pushing for more without understanding what the more is for. So we could probably spend the entire podcast talking about all of this stuff, which no, would be fun. <laughs> um, but I want to shift gears a little bit here and talk about some estate planning stuff. So, yeah. your business, you know, you help advisors with estate planning, but I kind of want to give you the mic to talk about this a bit because people have been doing estate plans forever. I mean, going, you know, going way, way I mean, you know, even. Before America uh, came to be, people are doing estate plan, right? So this is not a, a new idea, but yet there has been some technology that's come out to really sort of make this easier, maybe maybe bring it to, to more of a mass market. I just would love to hear you talk about this, the state of estate planning mm-hmm. and like yeah. why is it so hot right now?
1: Yeah, I think it's an incredible opportunity uh, for within our space, working with advisors and financial planners. And the reality is it's been around forever. Every person you speak to that has kids, has any level of assets, recognizes their need for one. They want one. Yet we live in a country that 67% of people don't have one. And so the reality is, is it's hot because the current client experience around estate planning is broken. And so thinking about this in a new way, the technology really that makes it as easy as possible has been around for now 20 years. I mean, LegalZoom was kind of the pioneer here to say, why don't we just take the technology, give people the questions they need to answer, they answer them and a document comes out. Well, that's been around for a while, but it also hasn't solved the problem. People are not doing that. Most people have the choice to go, well, I can DIY this, Know hundreds and hundreds of opportunities you can go find online to DIY your estate plan, but I think people look and they go, "I I don't know what I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> and am I really comfortable with this document? If I went and DIY my estate plan, I like the price point it was way better than the attorney down the street and what they told me it was going to cost. But I am not real comfortable with it, and so let me wait. My advisor's been referring me to this attorney to go to, but I get to go sit down with a stranger and I get to talk about death. I get to talk about the end of my life. I get to talk about my family dynamics with my kids. And I get to do this with a stranger who doesn't know me. I have to give them all the context of my life and start from scratch so that we make sure we get this done right. And I get to spend thousands of dollars, you know, for the the pleasure. Well. You know what? I'm gonna do. I need to do it. I'll do it next year. We'll get around to that. I promise. And advisors, year in and year out, will refer their clients off to attorneys, and and clients don't take action. And so, what we've seen the opportunity is to say we believe the financial advisor should be integrated into this process without practicing law. That they deliver a better client experience, and if they can help drive the client experience to the place that is still within the bounds of the law that they can drive it to without practicing law, then they can can control the experience. The client wins. The advisor is going to win in so many ways. Attorneys can still win as well within the way this can be done. And ultimately, we can solve for the procrastination that most people live in. I won't ask you directly, Kyle, if you have your estate plan down or up to date, but won't put you on the spot. But there, we do a lot of financial advisors' estate plans. I can tell you that
0: you can put me on the spot. We we took care of it, uh, but I, I I empathize with everything you just talked about, though, because we were the ones that our advisor said, "Hey, you need to take care of this." It was shortly after my second child was born, and they referred us to an attorney and. The attorney was great in everything, but everything you just described, it was more expensive than I thought, but I, it was like, okay, it's worth it because, you know, I want this all taken care of and all of that stuff. But it, it was because it was like, well, I work with my advisor about all of these things and it was already hard enough to share all of these details with this person. Now you want me to go, you know, sort of share it with another person and 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 work through all of this and Like you're talking about, it was the same as a life insurance conversation. It's just not the most fun thing to talk about. Okay, what's going to happen when I die? Like, I don't want to think about that, but it is important. And I think any way that you can make it easier or make it a part of the process that this person is already going through is powerful.
1: Yeah. And the opportunity for advisors to step into that gap is just tremendous for them. You know, we all understand the generational wealth transfer. 84 trillion, I've heard from Cerulean Associates, that's changing hands. And actually, here, I'll tell you the, the, the reason I'm here. It was I was at my desk at Riskalyze in 2015, and my phone starts blowing up. And I get messages from my family that my, my beautiful, lovely, sweet Aunt Jan had died suddenly um, of an aneurysm, and our family was kind of heading to her house to meet my cousins and everything there. We get there, we start kind of just talking, and we learn she didn't have an estate plan. She's 73 years old. She's single. She had been divorced just a few years before and never got her estate plan done. And I watched my cousins go through, in California, probate hell. They spent tens of thousands of dollars they didn't need to spend, hundreds of hours they didn't need to spend. The grieving process, I watched them go through that trying to had to borrow money from family members to come up with money for the funeral and all the events before they even get access to their accounts. Her advisor for years had been telling her, get your estate plan done. Here's an attorney. And she said, I'm going to live till I'm 80. And she suddenly wasn't there and just saw the the chaos it wrought. And it wasn't that hard. And so we've said, why can't we just build this where the advisor is can drive this process and help gather the information for the client, give their the great experience they give, and then be able to get that client to where they have that document done. Her advisor could have spent 30 minutes with her and she could have had her estate plan documents done and set up the notary and done. And this sweet lady, her, her, Initial, that was a conversation. Too much at her funeral was like, oh, she didn't. Oh, well done. That's a bummer. And we're talking not about what we wanted to talk about in those moments. And and so for people to understand that consequence and like your family, when you have kids, you have those life events, it becomes important. But someone has to grab people by the arm when they don't have the life events. And we believe that's the advisor to step into the gap and say, I'm going to make this easy for you. Here's some things we're going to prepare you with. We're going to sit down. I'm going to have a questionnaire. We're going to walk you through the software that'll do this. We're going to have a team of estate planners that are there um, for us to be able to facilitate this. And we're going to make it easy for you. And people are signing me up and let's get it done. And the advisor is really the hero here. This is the beauty of, of what we've said. We don't work B2C. An individual cannot come to Encore and say, help me get my estate plan done. We only work with advisors and we equip the advisors to work with their clients. And so within that realm, we're not the hero. We want the client at the end of the day to say, thank you, advisor. You didn't just refer me to a a piece of technology that I did all the work. They're saying, thank you for facilitating the process in a way that you gave me client education, which is something we can, this is the question that comes up. How can I do this without practicing law? And it's around client education and understanding that limitation. We can talk about that if you wanted to as well in light of how an advisor can do that.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think before we dive into that, let's talk about kind of what the options are out there. So there's there's kind of like full-blown DIY, go to LegalZoom and, and, and download some documents and go through this myself. And I may not be a lawyer, but I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night and I'm <laughs> going to go ahead and try to fill out these documents, right? And then I think there's kind of this uh, DIY plus, right? So there's, there's companies out there, like you're saying that right now, if I wanted to, I could go to their website and start filling all of this out on my own. And I, I assume there's maybe some estate planning attorney on the back end who, who makes <laughs> this work. And then yep. you've got the advisor driven one, which is like an advisor is going to help guide you through this. That's like kind of where you sit um, and I think a couple of other companies. Mm-hmm. And then what above that is, you know, you're just working directly with an estate planning attorney or maybe there's an estate planning yep. a- attorney on staff at a larger financial services company or something like that. Is that. Yep. Did I miss any of the, the ways that people could handle this?
1: No, I think you got them all. I think you got them all. I think it's the one that most people want to go on. And, and our advisors will typically present those options just as you did to their clients and say, hey, client, you can DIY this. This is going to be your cheapest way to do this, accomplish this. I can send you to an attorney if you'd like that process. I have referral attorneys we could, you could work with, or I can guide you through the process. And cost-wise, it'll probably be in the middle of the, those other two. The attorney, the most expensive, the technology, the least expensive. I can leverage technology and a team available to me and I can guide you through our advisors tell us 90% of the time the client says, I want to work with you. You're not trend. This isn't a transactional relationship with my advisor. You already, I'm already on second base. I've already talked about these important things. I say advisors have Kleenex on their desk for a reason, And because it gets used, and when I'm talking estate planning, I'm going to get into some pretty tender parts of people's decision making. And so I'm already comfortable doing that with you. I'm, I'm in for you facilitating the process. And I understand you can't give me legal advice, but you can educate me and you can give me the resources to help me make a good decision and get me a quality outcome and a quality document. And the benefit to the advisor too is there's a life cycle here. My life's going to change. There's going to be things that come up. In a few years, you're going to be aware of them. You're going to help me continue to be, make sure my estate plan, not just it's done today, that it stays up to date. I don't get that experience with an attorney. There's no, no, but no attorney that is keeping my plan up to date, helping me understand how, how it all works. And, but also now there to say, Hey, you inherited some money last year. Would this cause you to think differently about what you'd want to do charity or with your beneficiaries? Well, advisor, now that you bring it up, cause you knew that happened, yeah, actually, can we talk about maybe how I, this may impact what I want to do for my estate plan. That's a great experience so that it's kept up to date. And now the advisor is also centric to the generational wealth transfer that's going to happen. They just, I didn't tell the end of the story with my Aunt Jan, but you can guess that my cousins didn't work with her advisor. She was a seven figure account for that advisor and a cat form came in pretty quickly after her death. As soon as they got access to accounts and they were gone and that advisor never got a chance to win the next generation.
0: Mm, that's a that's a good cautionary tale I think for a lot of people out there. And and it, it fits in by the way with this trend that is happening industry wide which is it used to be differentiated enough to just be able to hang your shingle say you were fee only fiduciary CFP and that was different than everybody else who wanted to sell you products etc. But now everybody is a fee only CFP you know, AUM-based advisor. And the ways to be able to stand out is to is to be more full service. But okay, well, if we're going to be full service, how do we do that in an efficient way? And I love what you guys are doing, which is it is, it is tech-enabled, advisor-assisted estate planning, right? Which is, you know, look, there's still going to be attorneys on the back end of this, etc. But you don't have to go retell the whole story, do everything all over again. It's efficient, it works within what you're doing and it allows the advisor to offer a more, more full service offering. And they're probably doing this along with tax planning stuff and, and maybe using a tool like Holista Plan to do that. And they're probably doing this with insurance planning and, and figuring out a way to offer insurance. So now it really can be a, a hub and spoke model of that advisor is the most critical relationship for all things that have to do yep. with money and planning. And they're just helping facilitate all of those offerings for you so you don't have to continuously be, you know, re-explaining your story to, to people over and over again, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where we, those of us who, from a technology perspective, look at the future of wealth management, it is going to be that. The advisor is the quarterback. And that is the best thing for the consumer. That is the best thing for the advisor. They don't need to be the complete expert in all, all manners of this, but leveraging technology, perfect example is holistic Plan. I, I look to them as my model from an estate planning, how we solve for the same thing in the estate planning category. But in many other services, insurance planning is a huge gap. Um, and there's more technology coming to the table to say, hey, we should help advisors facilitate a good experience with thinking through these other details, um, whether it be college college um, planning, all these other aspects, obviously deeper income planning. We're seeing so many more tools that help that advisor expand their offering that they are the, the primary source. The future of, of financial advice isn't going to be asset management alone. And as we see what AI is, is helping to us all to accomplish and where that's going, just that one piece is just not gonna be enough and to be relevant into the future. It's gonna have to be pretty comprehensive and the, the number of tools in an advisor's, you know, too well.
0: Well, you brought it up, so I wanna talk about it. I mean, I'm sure AI is an interesting development in your world, right? Because sure. I, I'm, I'm sure that it can help make your product more powerful, but you know, hey, you know, if, if I have some data about me, and I integrate this this generative AI into all of this, how can it help with the estate planning stuff? Can it be making recommendations on when I should make changes or all of those sort of things? So what role do you see that playing? Is that gonna be disruptive for your side of the world or is that gonna be additive?
1: Both, um, in a good way, and so yeah, this is part of why I found the priority, and we've added Matt Pistone, who was one of the founders at Riskalyze, you know, as our CTO, is um to really uncover what these opportunities are, and so absolutely, it's going to be disruptive in the way Holista Plan today can read a tax return pretty easy with OCR technology to be able to pull from a static document. There are thousands and thousands of estate plans out there. And so, we're absolutely huge fans of AI, and it'll be part of what we do, but how we are completely thinking about it at this point is a um, human-assisted, and so a human quality control on it. And AI right now is so, it's fun to say, it's hot, it makes everybody think we have something exciting, but at the end of the day, it's really a benefit to services like ours that just is leverage for people that the same estate planner can do more assisted by AI, We're committed to always have a human quality control on it until we're years into the future. We don't see the day yet that we just spit something out that AI, and especially right now, it's reading estate plans, pulling the data out of estate
0: plans. Awesome. Well, I want to transition a little bit just to talk. I mean, we talked a lot about your sabbatical and things, but I want to talk some more about who Matt is outside of work. So Matt, I know you used to live in Northern California. You moved up to Washington state. There's, there's great mountain biking and trails out there. You know, I, I love to mountain bike as well, but I'm curious for you, are you uh, like a traditional mountain biker? or Have you gotten into this new like e-bike trend uh, to help yeah. with the climbs?
1: Yeah, I own an, I own an e-mountain bike and
0: it's been game changing. I don't Have you done it yet? Have you ridden an e-mountain bike? I have. No and, and and by the way it's not surprising at all because it is it's tech enabled but human driven <laughs> right I mean you you know it it, it helps Amen. perfect
1: <laughs> Yeah you, you nailed it and so I have an absolute blast, Uh, an e-mountain bike. I have one of the the lightest electronic-powered or electric-powered mountain bikes there are. And so it's not a huge motor. It's not an overwhelming bike. It doesn't feel like a motorcycle. But the technical challenges you can take on on a bike like that are an absolute blast. And so I also have a wife who was an ultra runner. And so it enables me to go on her runs (laughs) when I have the power to climb Mount Spokane and some other mountains in the area that I otherwise wouldn't be able to get up on a mountain bike. And then I can wait for her as we, as we, as we run the downhills. And, and so, and it's perfect. I ride a, I ride a dual sport motorcycle as well. That's my other other favorite thing here in the Pacific Northwest. And so those things translate well. And so I'm on the mountain bike a lot more, but those are my two favorite things.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Matt, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Before we wrap up, I wanted to see, is there anything you want to shout out to to the audience here?
1: Yeah, the, the world's changing and in so many positive ways. I'm not big on social media and the news. And so I have such an optimism for what's happening and where we're going in so many ways in the world. That is maybe because I don't pay attention to a lot of the news cycle on a a regular basis. And so maybe that's an opportunity for us, uh, us all that instead of looking what's wrong in the world, seeing what's right and the opportunities that we can find. I had no idea I'd land where I am just even a few years ago. And so, but it's more focused on what's good in the world. What are opportunities to be fixed? and i love working with advisors who largely share these same kind of views and and people who are really proactive about what the world can be and so i'll leave it with that thank you so much super grateful for for you kyle for bringing me on having this conversation it's so fun to connect again and um, can't wait to kind of see you live next opportunity we get to hang out
0: absolutely what a great what a great place to end uh, and a great thought to end this with a very optimistic thought that's awesome um, but since you're not really on social media, I know you're on LinkedIn a little bit, but how sure. can people connect with you if they want to learn more about Encore Estate Plans?
1: Yeah, uh, EncoreStatePlans.com, shared E in the middle there, just to keep it confusing, just one E. And info at Encore Estate Plans is the best place to reach out. Don't put two E's in it. You'll find us if you do, But but that's the... That's the one hack there. And I'm on LinkedIn, Matt Morris, easy to find. Only a few of us Matt Morris's, but one tied to Encore. And so I would love to connect with anybody who's listening today and, and get your feedback. You know, we got connected, Kyle. We got to some good stuff. Thank you for letting me be vulnerable in the way we shared stuff and, and connect at a deeper level. It makes it sure makes all the work we do and and the business relationships
0: we have you know
1: more enjoyable.
0: 100%. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Connected. This podcast is brought to you by MileMarker and it is produced by Turncast. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps us and our show. And for more information about MileMarker and Connected, visit us at milemarker.co.